My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. A 19-year-old who was homeless and living in Hawaii describes the night that his entire life changed. He was finished working for the night at one of the Bubba Gump chain restaurants that was on the island, and he was waiting for two of his friends to come out when this complete stranger came up to him and said, what are you doing tonight? The young man responded, I don't know. So the stranger said, Will you fornicate? To which the guy answered, I hope so. And drugs and drinking, the stranger asked. To which the kid said, most likely, yeah, probably all three of those things. I mean, at least two of them, possibly all three. At that, the stranger said, I stopped because Jesus told me to come talk to you. He said to tell you that you're destined for great things. The young man said that at that, his two friends came out and he said to them, I'm going to go with this guy. And two days later, he had given his life to Jesus. Not exactly the, the story we would expect to hear from someone from Hollywood, yet that's how Chris Pratt, best known for his roles in the TV show Parks and Recreation and the movies Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Jurassic World tells it. Pratt's sharing his conversion story to, to Christianity was part of a profile in an article that I came upon in a doctor's office waiting room a few years ago. But then I remembered the line that really bothered me and kind of ruined the piece for me, at least the, the article. And that was when the writer talked about how it was a few weeks after this encounter, after Pratt's conversion, that he met his first director, which set off his acting career. And the writer asked, perhaps it was divine intervention. 
I don't know Chris Pratt. I don't know if that's news to you. So I can't ask, and I don't know how he felt about that observation. But I'm going to go on a limb because I do know Jesus. And I'm going to say Jesus was not interested in getting Chris Pratt his acting job. While it was definitely something that became very important to him and to his life, I'm pretty certain that Jesus was worried about a young man living on the streets. And Jesus was worried about a man living a life of sin and not even the least bit troubled by it and thinking there was nothing he could do about it, that this was just his lot and this is the way life is going to be for him. Jesus was worried about the fact that this kid's life could have been tragically cut short here on earth before he ever even considered or wondered or longed for a better life here and now, and even more importantly, for an eternal life with him. Jesus, I know, was worried about that for Chris Pratt because I know he's worried about that for each and every soul that has ever walked, is walking, and will walk on this earth. We hear those cliches like life is short or YOLO. I don't know if we still use YOLO, but you get the, you get the point. We hear these cliches because they're true. Our life is a precious gift, and Jesus will go to hell and back for us to make us appreciate how special, how precious, how important a gift our lives are. And that's the heart of this gospel passage we heard about this encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was this leader of the Jewish nation who was well-versed in all the intricacies of the Old Testament, was respected by his fellow Jews, was a mover and shaker in the society of Jesus' time. And he had no earthly reason to associate with Jesus, who had been labeled a, a troublemaker by both the Roman and Jewish authorities for very different reasons. And it's obvious he's not coming in any official capacity because he comes at night, he comes in private to meet with Jesus. He's heard some things about him. He might have even heard Jesus speak himself. Right before this passage was what we heard last Sunday in the gospel where Jesus made quite a scene as he furiously cleansed the temple of all the money changers and calling out people for defiling his father's house. So that was enough to really unsettle the Roman and Jewish leaders. So perhaps he's going out of curiosity. Maybe he wants to try to keep the peace and this delicate balance between those competing forces that Nicodemus enters into this dialogue with Jesus, which we join mid-conversation in this gospel passage. These verses are some of the most beloved of all to all Christians, where Jesus basically spells out his whole purpose for being here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believed in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. Those words pierced Nicodemus' mind as a scholar and his heart as a Jew who longed to know and to understand who God was. They resonated as he reemerges by name at least two more times in John's gospel, including at the cross. So he continued to hear Jesus preach and heal and offer forgiveness of sins. And that captivated him in the deepest recesses of his heart and soul 
to continue to keep going back to Jesus. What was dawning on Nicodemus was that all the centuries upon centuries of God's people constantly falling out of relationship with God, whenever they sinned and broke the covenant, the litany of messengers and prophets who had spoken God's word to his people to mixed results at best, that was all a prologue to this moment when God himself would enter into human history, into human experience, and would reorder everything. It's no longer a story about humanity's search for God, but rather God's search for each and every man and woman with the desire to restore them, to make them his beloved sons and daughters too. That's the heart of this gospel message. That's the heart of God himself to save us. Too often, I think, we forget we need saving. Or worse, we, we tell ourselves lives like we could save ourselves. Both of those things are, are massive pitfalls that not only blind so many people from ever engaging God themselves or considering having relationship with him, even those of us Catholic Christians who do make it to Mass can find ourselves being led down those dead ends. The gospel means to confront humanity with the reality that we're sinners and we're prone to sinning. We often know the right things to do and we choose not to do them. We feel that tension deep within knowing the choices and the decisions and the life I'm living isn't exactly what I was made for, isn't quite fulfilling. And then we keep falling for more and more lies from the devil, tempting us to keep repeating the same things over and over, expecting different results. Or seducing us with other gods and other idols that distort all of our desires and our wants and our needs. Promising us that joy and that peace and that love that every human heart and soul longs for that never comes from pursuing any of those things. A God-shaped hole in our heart can only be filled by him. Yet for some reason, we fall for Satan's lies that encourage us to try anything and everything else. This fourth Sunday of Lent, this gospel is meant to stop us in our tracks and ask us, what are we doing? Where are we going? That we're here is, is a great first spot. It's a, it hopefully means that we don't need a stranger to come upon us and first introduce us to Jesus and call us to a radical change of life. But more than likely, all of us are in need of renewal, a renewal that comes from repenting of the things that are not of God and to recognize the love that drives Jesus to come looking for us and allow ourselves to be found to embrace him, to recommit ourselves to him. And we can do that by, by making a good examination of conscience and a good confession this Lent, especially as we have about three weeks left. We're each invited to experience a divine intervention, which isn't meant to lead us to a famous acting job or any of the worldly pursuits that we think are so important, but something far more important. A life that's completely identified by the love of Jesus Christ here and now and for all eternity. God so loved the world that he promises us more than the world could ever imagine.
what we hear and accept his offer.